This is from John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, and is withered. And and they gather them and throw and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my, and my words abide in you, you will ask of me what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in, in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do for you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the father... The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. 
and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Thank you, Brother Jorge and Brother Roy, for reading scripture for us this morning. Good morning, Broadway. My name is Sims, for those who don't know me, one of the pastors here at Broadway. And today is a good opportunity to share God's word together. I'm excited to be able to do that. And um, we've been going on a, a series that has come from um, the curriculum that we do for the fall for small groups. And um, this fall, our curriculum is based on uncommon unity. And um, Ryan started the first two weeks for us and um, kicked it off very well. I don't know if I can follow that well, but I'll try and do that. Amen. Good to see all of you and to know that we are back together to worship God together. Uh, Sunday is a good time to bring all the things that we've been doing at home and bring them to celebration all the prayers, all the worship, all the personal readings that we've been doing at home and bringing together here so we can celebrate together. So thank you for being here, and I'm so glad we get to be together. I want to speak about abiding together in friendship with Jesus the King. Um, what does it look like? What does it mean for us as a church as we talk about uncommon unity, this abiding together with Jesus. And I know Ryan spoke about the Father last week and gave us a very good sermon on how the Father loves us and how we can throw our cares to the Father because he loves us. And today I want to speak a little bit about um, and pull it together in abiding in friendship with Jesus the King. And there will be a little bit of the Father there and there will be a little bit about the Holy Spirit there, but it's going to pull everything together for us. So John starts, and Jesus starts here speaking in John, and um, he says he is the true vine. He says, I am the true vine. The symbol of the vine is used a lot. Um, the symbol of a vine is used a lot in Scripture from the Old Testament into the New Testament and in different places. And sometimes I ask myself, why would God use a vine they are majestic trees to use. What about not using the ark? What about not using, um, you know, all these big trees that I hear, the red wood? All these things that are huge that God could use, but he chooses to use the vine to show our relationship with him. And he says, I am the vine. As we can see, the vine... The vine needs support to even stand on its own. And this is good for me to think about because I need support to even stand this morning. But the vine needs support to, for it to stand in weakness. It seems weak to people. Why would God not use the oak? Why would God not use the, um, there's a tree that I, my wife loves and I love back home. It's the baobab trees, this huge, big, round tree. Um, why would God not use something that majestic that you look at and you go, wow. But God takes the vine, which is seemingly very weak, that needs support to use it, for example. And over and over again, even in the Old Testament, Isaiah, he calls Israel the vine. He talks about Israel and the vine and him being the vine dresser. And he comes up here and God is the vine dresser and Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. It seems like God 
sort of loves to take these weak things and make them huge. Think about it. Think about the story of Jesus' triumphal entry. A triumphal entry at that time is somebody who's coming in a horse with, um, with uh, a legion of, um, of, of the army behind them and slaves that they have captured. And Jesus comes on a triumphal entry with a donkey. God loves to take these small, weak things and make them great. And so think about it again. Jesus... A little bit of weakness. How can you die on the cross? Why did you call the the legion of angels to come and save you? Dying on the cross seems weak. But there is strength in that seeming weakness. 1 Corinthians 1, 25 to 30, Paul says, Because of the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. And he goes on to speak about how God has chosen the foolish things of the world. Things that look foolish to the world, that look small, that look despised in the world, to confound the wisdom of the world. So as we start to think about this, I want you to see this vine not as a symbol of strength in our own thinking and in our own logic. Again, these other trees that we talk about, the other trees, they grow upwards. I've used this example before, but I'll go back to it. All the other trees that I'm talking about, the redwood, uh, the baobab tree, the oak, they all grow upwards. But the vine grows upwards and gets to a place where it grows sideways. So such that the fruit is not just individual, it's a cross-spread. God uses that to show us that his kingdom is not an individual building thing, but it is spread. And as it spreads, it brings benefit to others. For the vine to grow, the vine needs light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. I want to connect these little things together just to, to give you a picture here as we start. The, the vine, for the vine to grow, for the, for the fruit to grow on a vine, it needs to experience sunlight. That is why there is pruning to cut off the branches that might be behind the light that won't get anything. To make sure that the light gets to the fruit where it needs to go. A branch that is not exposed to light is susceptible to diseases, it's susceptible to mold usually. It gets moldy and it spreads in the vine. So the vine dresser comes and chops it off to make sure that it doesn't spread in the vine. Jesus spoke to them saying again, John 8, John 8, 12. Jesus spoke to them and said again, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus uses this story, this situation here, and I want you to think about it. If... The vine needs light for it to grow and to produce good fruit. And Jesus says, I am the vine, but also he says, I am the light. That means there is total provision in him. And then he he calls us to abide in him because there is total provision for us to produce fruit and fruit that lasts in him. 
So this picture of the vine for me, where this is a weak vine and all those things and, and the, how it grows and all that, gives me kind of like an idea of that we are to be completely dependent to Jesus. And there is need for constant connection. Not connection that comes and goes. The branches in the vine don't come and go. They are always connected. And we are called to be people of that type of unity with Jesus. The branches are in unity with the vine for them to do anything. Branches that are not in unity with the vine are either on the ground and they are rotting. Or they are taken away and thrown in the fire. And Jesus calls us to be in unity by being connected with him. This example here comes as Jesus is preparing as well that he's going to leave his disciples. But there's one thing that he tells them that is very important as an encouragement to them. Is that if they, they would, he would always remain united to them if they would remain united to him. He says to them, abide in me and I in you. That word abide is the word meno in Greek. And meno speaks of to remain. It speaks of to abide. In reference to its place, it speaks to go to and tarry at that place. It speaks to not leave, do not depart from this place. It speaks to continuing to be present It speaks to be held. It speaks to be kept continually. It's a continuous word. In reference to time, that word meno speaks to continue to be, do not perish, to last, to endure. And when it speaks of people, it speaks of survival, it speaks of living. So that word abide is very deep when you think about it. Because it's got all these angles that you can see it with. And all these angles are very important as you think about Jesus calling us to abide in him. And Jesus does not just call us to abide in him. He calls us to a mutual relationship because what does he say? He says, abide in me and I in you. It's a mutual relationship. He's calling us to be with the master and the master is always to be with us. We cannot bear fruit until we are connected continually to the master. From the time that a a little uh, piece of growing seedling of of a grapevine is planted to a time that it's ready for harvest, it's almost three years of abiding Before there is fruit. And I want to encourage you that do not find yourself disconnecting from Jesus. And we're going to talk about how we do that and so on. The purpose of every branch is to bear fruit. We are called to be people who bear fruit. If we're going to see God's work, the evidence of God's work in our lives is the fruit thereof. Not just fruit, but much fruit and fruit that lasts. That's the evidence of that God is at work in us. And Jesus goes on and says to them, as he speaks about the vine, he says, without me, you can do nothing. 
it doesn't mean that disciples could not live their lives and, you know. No, it meant that they could do nothing of real value, nothing of eternal value without Jesus. Church, we may do all we want to do to stay together, to have fun together, to uh, sing together, or, and, you know, whatever. But without Jesus, it is no value at all. And Ryan last week spoke about, gave an example of groups that meet, that we can think about and like, oh, we know people meet at a stadium for rugby at this point. I'm watching the World Cup rugby yesterday. My team, South Africa, disappointed me. But still, I, I still bleed um, green and gold. I'm still a green and gold bleeder. But in, in the midst of that, those people sitting there in the stadium, the stadium was packed. And those people who were packed there in the match between Ireland and, 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 um, and the Springbok, they had this thing that was common. But that thing that was common, as Ryan said last week, the spring, I might, be, I might say that I, I bleed green and, and gold, but Springboks don't know me. They don't love me. But when we come here and we gather under Jesus, it's a mutual thing. He loves us and we love him. There is a relationship. And so what we hear here, we see Jesus being at a place where he says, without me, you can do nothing. He is meaning without me, you cannot do anything of value, of eternal value. And then he goes on and then he introduces the father, the vine dresser. He says, my father is the vine dresser. And I want, I want to submit to us that this covenant that we have with Jesus has a way, one of the things that make this covenant that we have with Jesus, that we have a relationship not only with Jesus, but also with the father. There is reliance on both the father and the son, and we're going to come to the spirit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That seems very hard. That word prune is, um, is a word that, is, that seems daunting because it talks about cutting, talks about pain. And as we see that the father is the vine dresser, it says every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. And I want to show you two things that the father does in tending to the vine and its branches. Number one, the father takes away the fruitless branches. Number two, the father prunes the fruitful branches. He cuts away the lifeless limbs on it and cultivates it for better living and better production. Number one is that the, the father takes away the fruitless branches, the branches that don't produce fruit. But then he prunes the one that produces fruit and cuts away the lifeless things that are taking away from, the, from that branch and cultivates it for better living and better production. Church, it's only the vine dresser that carries the shears to cut. It's only the vine dresser, the father, that carries the shears to cut. It's not us. It's not the branches. The vine will hold on to dear life to a branch that is not producing fruit. 
I've never seen a, a vine that says, oh, you're not purchasing fruit, I'll kick you out. No, it doesn't. It holds on to it. And the father cuts it off because it's not producing fruit. So I want to tell you that it is the work of the father to use the shears. It's not the work of the elders, it's not the work of the pastors, it's not the work of the leaders, it's not the work of the small group leaders, it is the work of the father. And the father chooses how to do that well. It is the work of discipline. Cutting is really sobering. The picture of cutting is sobering for me. But I think the best way to explain this is is Hebrews chapter 12 verse 6 and Hebrews chapter 12 verse 10 and 11. So I'm going to read first Hebrews 12, 6 to hear this. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises everyone he accepts as his son. So there is pruning for those that the Lord loves. And Hebrews chapter 12, 10 to 11 says, they talking about our earthly fathers, which Ryan spoke about again last week. Um, the idea of that our earthly fathers are not co- even a comparable example to our heavenly father. But here, uh, Paul, Paul, or whosoever wrote Hebrews, there is a lot of confusion on who wrote it. But whosoever, the writer of of Hebrews say, our earthly fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplined us for our good in order that we will share in holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at a time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So as we are pruned, it is for us to realize that we are pruned so that we can produce fruit. Pruning is unpleasant, but it yields the fruit that the Father is looking for. Remember, we say it for every branch. Its job is to produce fruit. And when we get pruned by the Father, take away some things that we might like that are not in his will, it's good for us. And I want to encourage you that as you get pruned, don't step away from the unity. As things get pruned out of your branch, you as a branch, don't step away from the unity of the Father. He is doing it for your good. He is doing it for my good when he prunes me. The problem is that sometimes we think, should we step away because these hard things are happening? I think about the church that Stacy announced that the God team is asking us, our global outreach team is asking us to pray for the church in Libya where there is persecution. Should they step away then from the Father because they're experiencing hardship? No. That is where you hold on even dearly to the Father and to the vine because you know the Father's heart for you. When we know the Father's heart for for us, it is easy to remain united with him. Vine dressing is a hard work. So to show you the Father's heart, Jesus uses the vine, which I think is really good. Because if you think about it, looking after vines is hard work. The vine dresser's work is done by hand. Up to now in this century that we're in, there is no machines that harvest grapes and harvest them well. Even in this time where we've got robots and everything, the people still use hands. That's how delicate that process is. Even in the pruning, hands are still used. 
that tells you that the father wants to get dirty, his hands dirty with you and me in our weakness. And he's calling us to a place where he's saying, my heart is to be with you whatever the situation is. The father is not standing, standing aloof. He says, I'm the vine dresser, which means he is with the vine. He's getting his hands dirty in making sure things are done for us. God takes personal care of us. Why not stay united with him because you know he takes care of you? Listen to this. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch that is withered. And they gather them around and throw them in the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and you will be my disciples. The emphasis here, I think, is very clear. Is that there is no true disciples who do not abide. If you're a true disciple, you will abide. The branch must remain connected to the vine. It has no life or any good if it's not connected to the vine. Stay united with Jesus. And again, that connectivity for me speaks of unity. Because for the vine to do whatever it does, it needs to be in unity. For the branches, sorry, to bring forth fruit, they need to be in unity with the vine. And then Jesus goes on and says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask of that you desire and ship done for you. Jesus says, if his words abide in us. The connection and the unity with the vine is maintained by obedience. In our world today, the word obedience brings out, ooh, people get scared of it. Because we are in a world of I am free, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want to do it. But obedience is still very important to us as believers. For us to grow and to be what we are called to be, we need to be people of obedience. For us to remain in the vine, we need to be people of obedience. Jesus says to to his disciples to show this example, he says, as the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Jesus loved his disciples the same way his father loved him. But also, if you look at the love of Jesus, he went on in obedience to his father, even when when it was hard. When it led him to the cross, he went there in obedience. And he's saying that very same love, that very same connectivity that he has the father with the father is the same connectivity that he wants us to have with him. And then he goes on and he says that these things, all these things that I've spoken to you, I've spoken to you so that you may experience the fullness of joy. And I want to stop there for a minute and speak a little bit about joy. He says that your joy may be full. The The joy results in abiding The fullness of joy results from abiding in Jesus, staying connected to Jesus, staying in unity with Jesus. And what does joy mean? 
Does joy mean happiness? Does joy mean, you know, when everything is going well? No. Joy is something that abides, that is there for all seasons of life. Joy is there in our grief. When we see somebody else grieving, we had a training recently with Michael Hendricks, and it was really good. And he, he showed us a picture, a picture on screen, and this picture was somebody who was crying and somebody comforting them. And he showed us another picture of a baby giggling, like brimming in the face. And he said, which one do you find joy in? Where do you see joy? And most of us were linked to the baby's face. Oh, man. And he says, even in this one, where there is grief, there is joy of being together in that grief. Joy and happiness are two different things. And so God, Jesus here is calling us to a greater thing, which is joy. That precedes our happiness because joy is there when, when, when we are happy. Joy is there when we are sad. And he says, for us to have the fullness of that joy... We need to abide in him and abide in his words. The word for complete there, where he says complete joy or full joy, is the word plareo in Greek. And plareo speaks of to make full, to fill up, to cause to abound and to flourish and to supply liberally. It speaks about to render full, to render complete to fill to the top, to almost overflowing. It speaks to consummate, which consummate speaks of unity. In marriage, when we speak of consummation, we speak of unity. So it speaks to unity, and it makes complete. The same word that Jesus used when he says that your joy will be complete, will be fulfilled, is the same word that is used when it says, even in Matthew, in Mark, and in Acts, when they speak about Jesus fulfilling the prophecies. It's the same word. So it's a word of completeness. It's the same word that is used when Jesus says, I have come not to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. It's the same word. So it tells us here that we are called by Jesus that this joy will be a joy of total fulfillment when nothing will be left lacking in the area of joy. When you fill a bucket and you fill it to the brim, that's what it's talking about. Where there is nothing else you can add to it because it's full. So our joy will be that way. And then he goes on and says, This commandment I've given you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. I love this. I love the scripture. I love that part. When he says, you are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. Now I, I do not call you servants anymore, because a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all the things I've heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Our unity in Christ, he is calling us to be with him, not just as disciples, but also as friends. A friend is somebody who is close. A friend is somebody that you share your, your inner thoughts with. A friend is somebody that you, uh, you have got this special close relationship that you can open your heart to. And we are called then to be united with Jesus 
not only as king, lord, um, savior, but also as friends with him. There's a song that I like that uh, Jonathan Butler, South African singer, sings, says, um, friendship, if friendship with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing I've ever done. In his love, I feel and I find protection. I find all those things that he speaks. Friendship with Jesus is the best thing we can do for us to remain in this relationship. And as we do that, I want you to realize that we are called to stay connected with the Father. He says here, you are my friends if you do whatever I have commanded you. You are my friends if you do whatever I have commanded you. Friendship with Jesus cannot be disconnected from obedience to his commands. The moment we disconnect that, it's not friendship with Jesus anymore. And as we go on, then Jesus comes and then he speaks. Let's move on to the Holy Spirit. We've spoken about Jesus the vine. We've spoken about the Father as the vine dresser. Let's move on to the Holy Spirit. This is, my, this is my interpretation of this, that the Holy Spirit stands as a trellis, the helper that holds things together. In the last part of John 15 that we read today, in verse 26 going forward, it says, when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will himself testify of me. And you also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit comes in as a helper. In a picture of the vine, where is the helper? The helper is the trellis that holds those branches and that vine up. If the vine does not have a trellis and it grows and the branches are touching the ground, it's susceptible to disease, it's susceptible to, um, to pests that would eat it up. But the helper, who is the trellis, lifts it up and makes sure that it's protected. The Holy Spirit is our lifter. He's the lifter of our heads. The unity here is very clear. The vine, the vine dresser, the trellis, and the branches. We are called to be united. If the trellis does not show up and help and be the helper, the fruit will be eaten up by pests that are on the ground. As long as we are connected to him, we are immune from the pests of condemnation. They have no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk according to the Spirit. They have no condemnation for us. We are immune from so many things that the world would throw at us. That might be pests. That might be little fox that eat the vine up. Because we've got the helper that lifts us up. And as we close today, I'm going to give you a summary of what we've spoken about. If you've not heard anything today, these are a few things to think about. As the worship team starts to come forward. Number one, we are called to friendship. United in friendship with Jesus. It's intimacy. We are called to intimacy with the Lord. Obedience to Christ is a test of discipleship. And it is always connected to friendship with Jesus. He said, you will be my friends if you obey 
People love having rewards of friendship, but forget that friendship also has a cost. And the cost of this friendship is obedience to Jesus. And then he calls us again to remain in his love. Remaining in his love is a practical way of keeping us away from the hazards. The third thing that I want you to remember is that he gave us an example of how to abide by the way he abided with his father. Number four, the focus for us as friends of Jesus, there are two things. Number one is to remain in his love. And number two is to love one another. I did not read that part in the Meagle that spoke of love one another because Ryan did a great job last week on it. But that whole chapter speaks of that in the Meagle that we ought to love one another. Number five or number six, I don't remember. Friendship with Jesus brings joy and it brings complete joy. Joy is not happiness. Joy is a product of being friends with Jesus and with being friends with one another. Friendship with Jesus brings fruit that last. And my challenge to you today is, are you a neat picker or you are a fruit barrier? The father is the inspector of the fruit, not you and me. That's the father's job. The father is the one who cuts, not me and you. This is our job. Our job is that we remain in him so we can bear fruits. We remain in the vine, that is Jesus. We remain in his love. We remain in his light. Bring the things to light that needs to be brought to light, the light of Jesus. And we are called to be united as the body of Christ. When we are united, the Father easily can take care of us and helps us to bring forth much fruit and fruit that lasts. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you for your word that calls us to abide in you. Your word that calls us to be united with you. I pray, Father, that you would help us to remain in your love. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to remain in the light, in your light. Help us to be united with the body as we grow together to bring forth fruit and fruit that lasts. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.